0: Hello and welcome to day 80 of our Bible reading course. Our passages for the next two days mark a significant development in the expansion of both the Gospel and the Church from their origins in Judaism to becoming a truly global faith. Today's reading is Acts chapter 9. Let's pray. Almighty God, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you that I can call you Father. Help me to rest in your presence now as I listen to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria "'enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. "'Living in the fear of the Lord "'and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, "'it increased in numbers. "'As Peter travelled about the country, "'he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. "'There he found a man named Aeneas "'who was paralysed and had been bedridden for eight years. "'Aeneas,' Peter said to him, "'Jesus Christ heals you. "'Get up and roll up your mat.' Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became ill and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, They sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood round him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. The conversion of Saul is such a celebrated event that it's coined the English phrase a Damascus Road experience to describe a major moment of revelation and transformation in a person's life. It's recounted no fewer than three times in the book of Acts, of which this is the first. Homework is to locate the other two. The strength of Saul's hostility towards the church is shown by the fact that he wasn't content to wreak havoc in Jerusalem He wanted to shut it down elsewhere as well, including Damascus, where he'd heard it had begun to take root. Note in passing that there was still no name for this new group. They're simply referred to as The Way, verse 2, mainly because in their own eyes they hadn't stopped being Jews at all. They merely believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. It was only when the Gospel came to Gentiles that the new term Christian Was adopted. It's always interesting to reflect on Jesus' famous question to Saul after he'd fallen to the ground Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus is identifying himself thoroughly with his people, his body, of whom this Saul would later say he's the head. It's a reminder that the church is so much more than a religious organisation. And imagine being Ananias. You've heard about Saul, are deeply concerned about what's going to happen now he's come to Damascus. And then you're told in a vision from God to drop by where he's staying and say, Hi, I'm Ananias, one of those people you're here to hunt down. In fact, the way he tells God about Saul is almost amusing, as if God didn't know. In response, the Lord tells Ananias something he doesn't know that this zealous young Pharisee is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. So despite any reservations he may still have had, Ananias obediently goes. Another example of courage in the early church. Saul, as we're discovering, is a man of passion and energy. He loses no time after his conversion going at once to the very synagogues to which he'd brought arrest warrants for the followers of Jesus and instead starts preaching in them like he is one. A remarkable turnaround. Ananias had been told in his vision that Saul would suffer much during his ministry and sure enough it begins right here in Damascus forcing him to flee. Another courageous act is required, this time from Barnabas, in order for him to meet the apostles when he arrives in Jerusalem. Our attention then switches to Peter, who has followed Philip to the Mediterranean coast of Israel. There he performs two great miracles, each with strong similarities to the works of Jesus, healing a paralysed man and raising someone from the dead. Throughout history, God has often taken people who were violently opposed to the Christian faith and used them, after their own conversion, to exercise great ministries for him. Can I think of any I've either heard of or read about? If not, maybe I could do some research. Is there anyone I know who I could be praying for in this way? As well as being courageous with regards to Saul, Ananias and Barnabas were also risk-takers, visiting him and then introducing him to others. Do these two qualities of courage and risk-taking often belong together? Are they qualities that the church of today needs? If so, how can we, and how can I, seek to grow in them? for the glory of God and the furtherance of his kingdom. Lord Jesus, I praise you for the way you often use the unlikeliest of people to accomplish your purposes. Perhaps that's my own story. Thank you that as with Saul, there is nothing in my past that can hinder my ability to serve you fully, either in the present or in the future. Indeed, you have a wonderful habit of redeeming the past to great effect and blessing. And help me to honour your church in my attitudes, words and deeds. Imperfect though it may be, as yet, we are your body on earth, for whom you died. Your people, your bride, your family. Thank you for the Worldwide Church and for its local expression in my town and where I worship. Amen.